You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Stuart Bennell. This is what's making news this hour. Ontario reported 1,249 new cases of COVID-19 and 12 new deaths yesterday. 69 of those new cases were in Durham Region, which entered the orange level of restrictions on Monday. In his daily address, Ontario Premier Doug Ford encouraged Ontarians to be cautious and do their part in hopes of safe family get-togethers over the holiday season. Canadian ketchup production is set to see a boom next year. The Kraft Heinz company announced yesterday that 45 million kilograms of Heinz ketchup will be made every year at a facility in Montreal. This ketchup will be the first batch made in Canada by Heinz since the Leamington plant closed in 2014. In sports, the Minnesota Vikings won against the Chicago Bears on their own turf Monday night. The next NFL game is tomorrow night when the Seattle Seahawks host the Arizona Cardinals, and there are an additional 12 matches on Sunday. In Major League Soccer, playoffs begin this Friday with New England facing off against Montreal Impact and Nashville versus Inter-Miami later that night. Toronto FC will host their first game of the playoffs on November 24th against the higher-seeded play-in winner. Riot Radio weather, overcast today with a high of 1 and a windchill of minus 13 this morning. Tonight, cloudy skies with a low of minus 2. It's currently 0 degrees, feeling like minus 9. For Riot Radio News, I'm Stuart Bunnell. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. I love coffee, I love tea. Hey, welcome to Coffee Break. I'm your host, Stuart Bennell. On today's show, we're going to talk about movie theaters, which I thought I would miss more than I do. Uh, I'm also going to share my thoughts on why it's a good idea to go back and listen to music you haven't heard in years. But first, we're going to talk about the hottest giveaway DCSI will do this year on DC Focus. That's all coming up today on Coffee Break on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus, DCSI and Durham College Esports Club are giving away a next-generation gaming console. That's right, the fine folks over at DCSI and the DC Esports Club are offering all full-time students a chance to win an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 console. This is huge since the last time we got a new generation of gaming consoles was the release of the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 back in 2013, so gamers are understandably very excited about this contest. I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit hesitant to talk about this at all, because I for one would really like to win this. I've been excited about the possibility of playing a PS5 since July. I didn't think I'd be able to get one for myself since I'm a broke student, but I have friends with more disposable income who might let me play for an hour or two. So when I found out about this, I did the smart thing and entered because it's free to enter and there's always a chance, right? The more people enter, the less likely it gets for everyone else, including me, but that's what makes it a good contest, and it wouldn't be very sporting of me to keep this hidden from you. So how do you enter? 
you can head over to dcstudentsinc.com slash club dash events dash contests and sign in with various social media outlets such as Facebook, Twitter, Discord, and Twitch. From there, you'll see a plethora of entry options ranging from checking out a few websites, including Riot Radio's website, to following DCSI and DC Esports Club on their social media pages. Once you've done the task, you go back to the entry page and claim your entries. That's it. It's that easy. Oh, and some of the entries can be done once daily, so don't forget to go back and enter again and again. Entries will be open until January 15th, and the delivery will likely be sometime in February, depending on availability. That's DC Focus, right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to Coffee Break. Stuart here with you on this cloudy Wednesday morning. Like many college students, I like movies. One of the best parts about movies was going out to a theater to do the whole experience. The screens, which I think have gotten bigger since I was a kid, the seats, which are a lot comfier now, and the overpriced snacks, which I didn't realize were overpriced until I went on my first movie date. It was all part of an experience. An experience that I haven't been able to enjoy in almost a year. But I was thinking about it the other day, and I just don't miss it, you know? I mean, is the experience really worth what people are paying? Upwards of 40 bucks for you and a friend to share a popcorn and watch a movie with 60 other people? 60 people who usually can't agree on the appropriate amount of conversation to have in the middle of Marvel's latest explosion fest? No, no thanks. I can get that experience for the price of fare to get myself to Barry on a go train. And now that we have COVID restrictions, it's now 40 bucks to risk your health. Sure, there's social distancing, but it's still a pit of people who don't know how to wash their hands or turn off their cell phones for two hours. Which, by the way, shouldn't be that big of a deal. If you really can't go that long without your phone, don't go to a movie and ruin the experience for everyone else. Honestly, I can wait. You know, I can wait until the new James Bond movie comes out on streaming services, or Blu-ray, or whatever. At least when I'm home, I can bring in cheaper outside snacks and pause the movie to go to the bathroom whenever I want. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Speaking of media I haven't experienced in a while, How long has it been since you revisited the music you listened to in high school? Or middle school? Or however long ago? I try to go back once every few months just to get a sweet taste of nostalgia before returning to the flavor of the day. It can be fun to go back. Sometimes I'll take an hour to listen to a playlist that brings you back to the best road trip you ever had, or I'll hear a song I haven't heard since a dance in middle school and it just brings back the good memories. But it can be really emotional too. Maybe there's an album you listen to on repeat at a really bad time in your life. I know I have a few of those. Those are less fun, but no less powerful. And I don't know if it's COVID fatigue, but I've been listening to old music lately. And the funny thing is that it hasn't changed. Art doesn't change once it's been released. But because I attached such strong memories to it, 
it feels like it should have changed. Because I changed. And the listening experience does change, of course. Because I'm not the same as I was back then. But the song itself is the exact same. I still have the muscle memory from singing along with the volume up. There are times when I can feel my throat get sore from screaming my lungs out, despite the fact that I haven't done that to this song in years. It's nice to go back, particularly when we're dealing with a world so unfamiliar and uncertain. It's comforting, but it also serves as a reminder of how far I've come since then. Yeah. That got a bit more sentimental than I wanted it to, but the point is that the music you listen to in high school may very well hold up today. There are playlists on Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube and all these other music streaming sites for pretty much every music taste, which makes it a lot easier to just jump into the nostalgia than handpicking every single song for your own playlist. I would challenge you to listen to a few songs from your past this week, just just to see how it makes you feel. It could be just what you need. Well, that's it for Coffee Break for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to stay tuned to hear the rest of my classmates bring you more news, campus information, and informative talk here on Riot Radio. I'll be back next week with another edition of Coffee Break brewed fresh just for you. Until next week, take care, stay caffeinated, and have a lovely afternoon. This is Riot Radio News. It's 12 o'clock. I'm Marissa Ramcharan. This is a Riot Radio News update. A young female hockey player in Winnipeg has been awarded a scholarship not only for her skills on the ice, but for being a leader off of it too. Kanari Yunus, an 11-year-old who plays defense, won a $1,000 scholarship from the Black Girl Hockey Club, a nonprofit in the United States dedicated to advocating for black women in hockey. The scholarship is given annually to black girls and women between the ages of 9 and 18 years old to help them pursue hockey, a predominantly white sport. Yunus's family is originally from Eritrea, a country on the eastern coast of Africa. Eunice started playing hockey when she was in grade 3 and enjoys it because it's fun and she can make friends whenever she's on the ice. Eunice was nominated by her coach Janelle Forkand, who is also the female hockey coordinator for the Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy. Forkand witnessed Eunice's leadership when the 11-year-old was questioned about the death of George Floyd as well as the phrase, All Lives Matter. Forkan said that Eunice handled the conversations in a respectful way, which is something that adults can't even do. Eunice hopes that the $1,000 scholarship can go towards not only hockey equipment, but also a hockey camp or a Dustin Bifuglian Winnipeg Jets jersey. Looking at the bigger picture, Kanari Eunice hopes to see more hockey players that look like her hitting the ice. In Sports The Pittsburgh Steelers took down the Cincinnati Bengals 10-36, and the New York Giants defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17. For our three-day weather forecast, today we'll see some wet flurries with a high of 3 and a low of minus 4. Wednesday will be mainly sunny with a high of 0 and a low of minus 1, and on Thursday we'll feel slightly warmer temperatures with a high of 8 and a low of 7. 
This has been your Riot Radio News Update. Thank you so much for listening to Messages from Mars. I'm your host, Marissa Ramcharan, and it's a pleasure to be spending this time with you. Today's show is going to be a great one. For DC Focus, I'm going to talk about a new furniture store in Scugog that is carrying on a century-old tradition. I'm also going to spend some time talking about controversy with the highly anticipated addition to film with a segment on the Warner Brothers movie, The Witches. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. On DC Focus this week, I'll be talking about a new furniture store in Scugog that is continuing a century-old tradition. With the opening of Lowe's Furniture in downtown Port Perry at the end of October, John and Ashley Lowe have expanded a family business empire that can trace its roots back to about 1860, with the opening of a funeral home and furniture store in Uxbridge. Since then, the Lowe family has opened a funeral home in Port Perry in the 1990s and recently have opened their doors to their Scugog Furniture Store on October 23rd. The opening of their Scugog store marks their 160th year in business. Owner Ashley Lowe said that, We've always loved the historic downtown of Port Perry and this was a great opportunity to be a part of that. Historically, when a funeral director was not busy carrying out their duties, they would make caskets or other furniture to supplement their income, said Lowe. The relationship between funeral homes and furniture stores were quite common through the 1900s. Many funeral homes would also have furniture for sale. Lowe's Furniture is one of only a few left in Ontario that is both a funeral home and a furniture store. The Uxbridge Furniture Store has about 10,000 square feet, whereas the Port Perry Outlet has about 2,400. This has prompted the Lowe's to select the best of the best of what they can carry for their Scugog store. The Port Perry store focuses on furniture, primarily Canadian-made and crafted products, but also carries fashion bedding, quilts, and duvets, along with a variety of home decor pieces. The Lowe's had hoped to open their Scugog location in May, but the ongoing coronavirus crisis threw a wrench in those plans. Ashley Lowe said, It felt like a never-ending renovation, but we're so grateful to even be able to expand our business at a time when others are not surviving the pandemic. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. You see, girls? He would exterminate those brats! Uh, rats. We would exterminate the rats. I feared this was happening. Then here, that means a test is coming. New controversy surrounding the new The Witches movie as Anne Hathaway has apologized for negatively portraying people with limb differences, 
while playing the Grand High Witch. I am sorry, Hathaway wrote in a statement posted on Instagram. I did not connect limb difference with the Grand High Witch when the look of the character was brought to me. If I had, I assure you, this never would have happened. People with disabilities reacted to the now-streaming film with disappointment, sadness, and outrage at the use of the character's three-fingered hands to indicate evil. Hathaway continued in her statement that she had recently learned that many people with limb differences, especially children, are in pain because of her portrayal as the Grand High Witch. Some people in the community noted that Hathaway's character appears to have ectrodactyly, a limb difference sometimes called split hand. These members in the community are concerned that the witches as a family film could contribute to stereotypes that disabilities are negative or frightening. In the original 1983 book by Roald Dahl, there is a manual that helps children identify who is a witch. Some descriptors include a peculiar nose, a bald head with wig rash, a sinister handbag, blue spit, square feet with no toes, and claws hidden by gloves. In the first adaptation released in 1990 featuring Angelica Houston as the Grand High Witch, her hands were not similar to those with split hand. If I remember correctly, her hands had five fingers with warts and other gross-looking bumps. I'm not sure why the creative process went differently for the new adaptation of the witches, as they could have gotten away with claws on five-fingered hands. Hollywood is constantly recycling movies and ideas, and I think that they feel they need to push the boundaries in order to make old stories feel new. It appears to me that they tried to go this route for the new The Witches movie, but instead of their changes bringing in new fans, the studio ended up alienating them. Now, both Hathaway and Warner Brothers have to do damage control because no one thought in one of their countless meetings that their depiction of The Witches might offend and hurt real people. Warner Brothers released their own statements stating that they were deeply saddened to learn that their depiction of the fictional characters in The Witches could upset people with disabilities and that they regret any offense caused. I don't know if I'm being cynical, but I find it interesting that the studio felt the need to point out that the characters in the movie are fictional. Are they trying to be passive-aggressive about real people feeling hurt because of fake characters? I don't know, it kind of feels that way to me. Everyone knows that these big wig studio execs are always looking out for their own pockets, and they know that this major fail will probably affect how many people tune into the movie on HBO Max, a streaming service that requires a paid subscription. I don't know about you, but all of this controversy just reminds me that Hollywood is running out of ideas, and more often than not, their attempts at revamping old movies tends to fail miserably. Maybe this is a lesson that they should just leave what has already been done in the past. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Marissa Ramcharan, and I'll see you next week on Messages from Mars on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Richard Evans. This is what's making news this hour. Outgoing President Donald Trump is still not allowing President-elect Joe Biden and his transition team access to national security information. Trump maintaining that the election has not in fact been decided, although all the votes have now been counted. While recounts in a number of states are expected, it's unlikely the decision is going to be overturned. Prime Minister Trudeau is urging all Canadians to refrain from large gatherings over the upcoming holiday season. Numbers of COVID infections across the country continue to rise, putting hospitals and frontline healthcare workers in a potentially serious position over the next few weeks. Healthcare officials predict a significant rise in COVID infection numbers by the middle of December. 
Here in Ontario, Premier Doug Ford has warned that he may have no choice but to consider a full lockdown of the province if current COVID-19 numbers continue to rise. Chief Provincial Dr. David Williams has stated that he will strongly advise Ford to make the decision if necessary, but adds that it would only be done if all efforts at stemming the spread are exhausted. In sports news, Bernard Langer is officially the oldest golfer to compete in this year's Masters Tournament. Langer, who has won the Masters twice, first in 1985 and again in 1993, says that he's still confident he can make a run for the green jacket, but realizes that his drives aren't quite what they used to be. Riot Radio weather, temperatures a little more seasonal as we get down to a chilly 2 degrees overnight. Partly cloudy for the next couple of days with a high of only 6 degrees expected tomorrow. Pretty much the same for the remainder of the week, no precipitation in the short-term forecast. It's currently 9 degrees outside our studios here in Oshawa. For Riot Radio, I'm Richard Evans. Welcome to The Grapevine. I'm your host, Richard Evans. Thank you for joining me. On this edition of the program, we'll talk about GM's return to Oshawa. We'll take a look at the early days of the World Wide Web and a look back at the passing of a legend in Canadian broadcasting. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Welcome to this edition of DC Focus, I'm Richard Evans. Less than one year after the last vehicle rolled off the assembly line, GM has announced that truck production will be returning to the Oshawa plant. GM plans to invest $1.3 billion to refurbish the facility, which will be churning out Chevy Silverados and GMC Sierra full-size pickup trucks. Assembly is expected to begin sometime in January of 2022, with an expected 2,500 jobs created. Less than one year. Very few people in the Durham region have forgotten December 18th, 2019, the day the last truck rolled off the line and nearly 3,000 workers lost their jobs, just like that. Many of these people were third or even fourth generation GM workers in Oshawa, and many have had a very difficult time finding suitable jobs. Many have failed. It's simply not possible to make the kind of money that was earned anywhere other than GM for the most part. Unifor President Jerry Diaz has this to say about the agreement. So I'm pleased to announce with this new tentative agreement that we have certainly secured this plant, not just for the life of this agreement, but I'm convinced for the long term. For the long term. Now, it's Diaz's job to deliver positive messages to his brothers and sisters wherever possible. And goodness knows they haven't had any really good news in some time until now. But how cautious should we be when we're talking about something as subjective as the long term? Having worked at the GM plant for a period of time myself, I got to know a handful of these workers. Salt-of-the-earth people, hard-working and above all, loyal. Loyalty being the key word. A quality that most of these people feel GM failed them. And will they fail them again? For the city of Oshawa, and indeed the entire region of Durham, this news comes at a time where we can all use a bit of optimism. But it is tricky to turn a blind eye to such a recent past. We can only collectively hope for the very best. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio.
remember that sound? If you're younger than 35, you probably don't. But if you do remember that sound, you knew that when you heard it, that incredibly annoying, ear-assaulting digital audio mess, that you were on your way to a world unlike any ever seen before. The World Wide Web, the planet at your fingertips. The information superhighway, where there's never any construction, and it's open 24-7. Believe it or not, we need to go back to 1961, to a gentleman named Leonard Kleinrock, who's credited with inventing the communication system that would eventually morph into the World Wide Web. About four years later, two computers communicated with one another for the very first time, and in 1969, the first internet code was being written. Neither of these events drew much attention from anyone apart from a handful of elite scientists. The most significant milestone for the early web came in 1982 when the transmission protocol that's still in use today was first discovered, making it possible for a literally infinite number of computers to be connected to a common network. Throughout most of the mid to late 80s, the internet remained something of an underground thing, not yet fully understood by most who had access, and those that did tended to be quite wealthy, as the concept of the average person owning a home computer was still a number of years away. By 1993, there were a whopping 600 websites in existence worldwide, but it wasn't until one year later that a company came along who would become synonymous with the web, Netscape, the world's first internet browser. Now, right around this time, there was a guy named Bill Gates who owned a company he called Microsoft, and Mr. Gates wanted to pretty much take over the world, so he developed a platform he called Windows that came with a built-in web browser that, incidentally, you had to use because it kind of came with the whole package of other stuff that Windows allowed users to do on their PCs. This did not bode well for Netscape. In 1999, America Online bought Netscape, both companies enjoying a degree of success, but nothing could stop the Microsoft monster from taking over the world. And that remains true to this very day. ADT, the number one leader in home security systems, is now offering free installation and 20% off your first monthly payment on any ADT home system package. Get the most from your home security provider. We want to protect you and your loved ones, so take advantage of this special offer and contact a security advisor today. Get started on safeguarding your home. Call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. This is Jeopardy! Here are today's contestants. An advanced analytics developer from Jacksonville, Florida, Legendary broadcasting and game show host Alex Trebek has lost his battle with pancreatic cancer this past week. He was 80 years old. On March 16, 2019, Trebek announced to his Jeopardy! audience in a taped message that he had been diagnosed with the disease, his death coming as something of a shock, as it appeared he was managing his illness. He died peacefully with his wife and children by his side. Born in Sudbury, Ontario in 1940, in 1961, Trebek took on a part-time radio job at night with the CBC while he attended school during the day, filling in wherever needed as an announcer and eventually given his own full-time radio newscast at the CBC. Seemingly destined for game show host notoriety, Trebek hosted such early quiz shows as Canada's Reach for the Top, as well as NBC's The Wizard of Odds, which signaled his move from Canada to the U.S., where he has lived primarily for most of his career. In 1984, the producers of the early Jeopardy! game show approached Art Fleming, who was the original host, and was asked to revisit the role. Fleming declined due to creative differences, but suggested his friend Alex Trebek as a possible replacement. Executive producer Merv Griffin agreed, and Trebek began his 36-year career as the host of what was to become the number one most successful game show of all time, Wheel of Fortune, which still airs a close second. In 1990, Trebek married Jean Caravan, a real estate agent from New York, and the couple had two children together. 
The two remain married until his death this past week. Spending most of his time in California, Trebek owned a 700-acre ranch outside Los Angeles where he raised thoroughbred racehorses. While generally in good health, Trebek did suffer two minor heart attacks in 2007 and then again in 2011, neither of which slowed him down for any real length of time. In 2018, he signed a contract with Jeopardy to remain as the host until at least 2022. With the news of his illness known to all, Trebek sat down with CTV chief anchor Lisa Laflamme for what would be one of his final full interviews. You're not afraid of dying? No. No. Not afraid of dying. One thing they're not going to say at uh, my funeral as a part of a eulogy, he was taken from us too soon. Alex Trebek, gone at the age of 80. That's all for this week. From all of us at The Grapevine, thank you as always for listening. I'm your host, Richard Evans. Stay safe and be well. We'll see you next week. You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. Hello, welcome to my show. You're listening to Riot Radio, and this is what making news this hour. Canada has announced that it has signed deals with uh, several teams of vaccine developers to reserve millions of doses of COVID-19 vaccines under development in an effort to make sure Canadians are at the front of the line when a vaccine becomes available. The federal government announced um, agreements with Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech on August 5 with Novavax and Janssen a subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson on August 31 and with uh, Sanofi GSK on September 22 with AstraZeneca which is manufacturing a vaccine development uh, at the University of Oxford on September 15th and with the Medigo on August 23. Canada will receive 20 million to 76 million doses of each vaccine just waiting for Health Canada to get approved. The Raptors have two picks in Wednesday's NBA draft and have decisions to make on a free free agent in what is sure to be busy condemns offseason. Jack Armstrong and Josh Levenberg discuss what will be the priority of Toronto. Coming to weather, winter is almost here. It is snowing today with the high of 1 degree Celsius and the low will be minus 6 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow will be a bit sunny day with 3 degrees high and 2 degrees low. For Right Radio, I'm Shivang Brahman. Hello and welcome to my show Easy Peasy, where today we are going to talk about what should we know before getting tested in Durham. And for that, I have a special talk with one of my friends who is serving in a hospital in Durham region. And mainly about the electricity wastage that is happening in Canada nowadays. Coming up next... News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Hello, and you are listening to my show, Easy Peasy, where I talked with my friend who is working in a hospital, where she advised me many things how to deal with the pandemic and how to take care of you and yourself. Now, she gave me five spots all around in Durham region to get tested uh, of COVID-19, and it will be based on appointments only. The spots are 
Garnet B. Richard Recreation Complex, Prince Albert Hall, Downtown Oshawa, Lakeridge Health Ajax, Whitby, Hayden Shore Pavilion. People with symptoms can only be tested at assessment center. People without symptoms have the option of an assessment center or a participatory uh, pharmacy. If they meet certain uh, criteria, you have been notified by uh, a public health unit or the COVID alert app that you have been exposed to confirm your case. You are a part of high risk population, including residents or workers in long term care uh, homes or homeless shelters. International students who have passed their 14-day quarantine, farm workers and indigenous communities. You are a part of a group targeted for testing by the province, including people undergoing uh, cancer or dialysis treatments, pre- or post-transplant uh, patients, pregnant women and newborns, people who need to uh, pre-surgical screening and visitors uh, to long-term care homes. Uh, she also added the symptoms of this and let me repeat the symptoms for you guys fever of uh, 37.8 degrees or greater now or worsening cough um, shortness of breath sh uh, short throat uh, difficulty swelling changes of sense of uh, taste or smell no uh, nausea or vomiting diarrhea and abdominal pain and runny nose or nasal congestions not caused by seasonal allergies you're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Canada is a country with extra everything where you can find anything here with the extra filter added. But it has a great disadvantage though. People often uses the thing which is extra and then doesn't even care. Today, I'm going to talk about the wastage of electricity in Canada. Currently, the estimate for global electricity wasted uh, in this way by network-enabled devices 400 terawatt hours per year, says the report. That's a lot, I know. Canada used about 518 terawatt hours a year of electricity in 2018 according to canadian electricity association one terawatt hour is one billion kilowatt hours the wastage will get worse says iea in 2013 the world had about 14 billion network enabled devices where the number is set to grow the upstake of network enabled devices which being in network standby mode are always on is projected to exponentially uh, possibly reaching 50 million by 2020, rising towards 100 billion by 2030 and 500 billion over the following decades, it says. As the range of network-enabled device expands, includes individuals and societies benefit from faster access to multiple types of data and service. However, being connected is causing associated global electricity demand to grow at an alarm rate. Some of the wasted powers is from unneeded add-ons, says the report. For example, almost all microwave have ovens and that have clocks. Hitting food requires 100 times more power than running the clock. But a microwave is typically on as a oven only 1% uh, of the time over its lifetime. Far more energy is used to run the clock display than the cooked food. The second cause of energy waste was the 
move to connect so many devices such as appliances and lightning systems uh, to communication networks being connected means the equipment can never truly shut down the report says there are many ways to curb the energy waste but still we are wasting the energy consumers pay for the power it says and energy companies have to generate enough power to meet the new demand globally in 2018 uh, network enabled devices consumed uh, about 616 terawatt hours of electricity according to the new agency the report says that Better policies and technology could substantially reduce the waste, which is set to almost double by 2025 if nothing has been taken actions. So, rather than spending money on extra stuff, we can actually save our environment and electricity we are using. That is none of the use. This is what it is. See, the environment and the electricity is so necessary for the future generations that they are they want and they deserve this type of things the environment and the electricity but still we are wasting them in a immense amount so i would like and i would urge you guys not to waste electricity in any sort of things if you don't need light don't put on the switch if you don't need water do not open the tap so this is what it is and by the time I am wrapping up my show and if you guys want to talk to us, search writeradio.ca and search it uh, easy peasy the show and you can text me too. Bye bye, see you, take care and have a good one. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Megan Hamilton. This is what's making news this hour. Toronto police busted a birthday party in Etobicoke over the weekend that hosted more than a hundred people. The party was being thrown in a storage locker. This is all taking place while Toronto recently announced entering the red zone in the provincial reopening system. This means that no more than 10 people are able to gather in an indoor setting. The party was held in the area of Bloor Street West and Kipling Avenue. It was immediately shut down and charges were laid against the party organizer. The host could face a fine of up to $5,000 as an individual. A female has been pronounced dead after being removed from Lake Ontario in Oshawa on Monday afternoon. Durham Regional Police said the female was taken out of the water near Birchcliff Avenue with no vital signs and was rushed immediately to the hospital in an ambulance. Police pronounced her death at just past 2.30 p.m. They've stated they are unsure of how she ended up in the water, but there is an ongoing investigation. In sports, the rugby league franchise Toronto Wolfpack have started a GoFundMe campaign to help players and staff who have not been paid since June 10th. The team, which has 50 full-time employees in Canada and the UK, stood down in July saying they could not afford to play the remainder of the Super League season. The GoFundMe goal is $51,775, which will be split evenly amongst the team. For Riot Radio weather, today will be partly cloudy and zero degrees, but with the wind will feel like minus seven. Tonight will have a low of minus eight, and tomorrow will be mainly sunny with a high of one degrees, drop to minus two in the evening. It's currently minus seven and very windy outside. That's all for Riot Radio News. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. 
Welcome to Spill the Tea. I'm your host, Megan Hamilton. On today's show, we're going to talk about a celebrity who we all know and get into the gritty details of his life the past couple of years. If you haven't already guessed it, stay tuned because, oh boy, it's a doozy. That's all coming up on Spill the Tea. Stay tuned. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Hey, how's it going? I'm Megan Hamilton, and on today's DC Focus feature, Oshawa's yearly Toy for Tickets program has returned for the holiday season, but this year it's being done virtually due to COVID-19. It's great to hear local donations and programs keeping up with the obstacles that life throws us in order to keep supporting people in the community. This program offers motorists who received a parking ticket under $100 the opportunity to make a contribution to the toy drive instead of having to pay their ticket. This is for people who have received tickets between November 17th and December 1st. The contributions will only be accepted for two days, December 1st and December 2nd. All of the contributions will go to the Durham Regional Police Service Food and Toy Drive and are distributed amongst local families in need during the holidays. Every contribution is going to be contactless this year, and you can submit your donation online at oshawa.ca slash pay ticket. I think this program is a fantastic way to help so many people. It's a great trade and a fantastic payoff. Don't forget that during the holidays, times can get really tough, and it's always great to lend a helping hand in any way possible. So keep this in mind if you end up getting a ticket during November 17th and December 1st. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. Do you like hearing all the gritty behind the scenes details of celebrities? Well then keep listening because that's all coming up next on Spill the Tea. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Welcome to Spill the Tea. On today's episode, we're going to get into the crazy details of the life of the one and only Johnny Depp. If you haven't already heard about his life the past few years, I'm going to give you a quick rundown on what's been happening that'll all lead to the disappointing news to add on to 2020. Johnny Depp got into a relationship with actress Amber Heard back in 2012. A couple of years passed and the pair got married. Less than a year later in 2016, Amber Heard filed for divorce from Johnny Depp and accused him of physical abuse and claimed that he was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. This was a very big topic in the entertainment industry. After a couple years of trials and settlements, the big news industries decided to focus on other topics and eventually the relationship faded into the background noise of the world of celebrities. But that all changed this year when phone recordings of Heard were released to the press. It's not like I'm saying, hey, choose fight. You just said I get mad, I'm going to scream. No, I didn't say that's always the case. I said... Yeah, I'm mad. It happens. It happens. Yes, I know. It happens often. In these recordings, Heard admitted to hitting Johnny Depp, which stirred the pot so much. 
Journalists were all over this topic yet again. At the beginning of July this year, a libel trial began and fans stood by Johnny Depp's side. This case turned into a social media war. People were putting in their opinions on every platform possible, including Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Thousands of fans stood outside the courthouse with signs and flowers supporting the actor. Man, I wish I had this kind of support when intense things happen to me. Just imagine waking up to check your Twitter to see everyone in the world defending you. The power I would feel. After a long and gritty trial, the court ruled against Depp and this caused mayhem. Four days later, Depp announced that he was asked to resign from his role as Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beasts series, and that caused even more mayhem. People have created online petitions to help recover his acting career, and more than a million people have signed these petitions. And to add on to this chaos, the power of the people have began reaching out to Warner Bros. personally and harassing them with phone calls and emails. I myself am very upset with the turnout. Many celebrities, including Winona Ryder, who he dated several years ago, spoke out and claimed that Depp would never do any harm to anyone, let alone a woman, and that Heard lied her way through the trials. It's crazy to hear these kinds of stories. The overwhelming support Depp is receiving during these times is insane. I really hope that Warner Bros. continues to support Depp and keep the contract going, as Johnny Depp is a staple in the acting world. I personally demand another trial. <laughs> this year has just been hectic for everyone, huh? That's all for today on Spill the Tea. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to tune in next week for another enlightening DC-focused topic and more entertainment on the show with me, as per usual. As always, I'm your host, Megan Hamilton. Take it easy. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Benjamin Smith, and here's what's making news today. Ontario reports 1,248 COVID-19 cases and 29 new deaths on Sunday. Health Minister Christine Elliott also says 364 of those new cases were found solely in Toronto. More than 42,000 tests were completed, and that number has been climbing every day, so that it is something to be proud of. Canada plans for 100,000 tests a day by mid-December. And it seems another lockdown could be imminent for Ontario, as Premier Doug Ford says we are staring down the barrel of another lockdown. Of course, stay tuned to Riot Radio for updates. Marvel Studios EVP Victorio Alonso spoke out this past week telling us Chadwick Boseman is irreplaceable. The actor tragically died in August at the age of 43 following a quiet battle with colon cancer. He left behind a great legacy, which included starring in the Oscar-winning Black Panther. Alonzo told fans Chadwick will not be digitally recreated for the Black Panther sequel. Many of Bozeman's former Marvel co-stars have since paid tribute and honored him, including Michael B. Jordan, Luke Dia Nyong-ji, also attending his memorial. And in sports today, NBA teams can start trading this Monday. The NBA's trade lock will end Monday at 12 p.m. ET, giving teams across the league the freedom to trade players ahead of the 2020-2022 season. The salary cap and luxury tax will remain the same as last season at $109.1 million and $132.6 million. 
And the Cavaliers' Kevin Porter Jr. arrested on gun charges in Ohio. Ohio Highway Patrol stopped Porter near Canfield and arrested him on charges of improperly handling firearms in a motor vehicle. The Cleveland Plain Dealer reported, citing country sheriff's records, he was released on a $4,000 bond. The Cavaliers acquired Porter only a few days after the 2019 NBA draft was officially completed. And here's your local weather report. Here in Toronto, we are experiencing a high wind warning with winds up to 43 kilometers an hour and climbing. Your daily high is 12 degrees and feels like 9. The rest of your week is looking quite brisk with a chance at some rain and snow on Tuesday. It is also important to remember this time last year we were going through about 2 inches of snow on our way up to work. So let's be grateful for the former past week we've had. Hello there, I'm Benji and welcome to Film Real News. Coming up on the show today on DC Focus, we talk about COVID in the Durham region and how you can support Oshawa's Toys for Tickets. And later in the show, we will be discussing seeing Jared Leto's Joker again and where you'll see Chris Pratt next in the MCO. All of that coming up right here on Film Real News on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. And this week on DC Focus, the Durham region reported 55 new COVID-19 cases on Saturday, November the 14th. There are currently 326 active cases of COVID-19 in Durham, with 315 people in isolation and 11 people in the hospital, including two people in ICU. This marks another single-day record for the province. Peel had the most new cases with 497, followed by Toronto at 456. In many previous years, people could drop off toys at City Hall instead of paying parking tickets. However, as you know, that may not be a viable option this year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The program, however, will be all virtual this year and applies to tickets under $100. Anyone who receives a parking ticket between Tuesday, November 17th to Tuesday, December 1st can make a contactless contribution to Toys for Tickets online by visiting oshawa.ca slash payticket on December 1st or December 2nd. Happy Holidays, everybody! Hello there, I'm Benji, and welcome to Film Real News. As I said earlier today, we are talking about the return of Jared Leto's Joker in the DCEU. And it actually looks like that first look will be in the Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Now, we know Zack Snyder, the director of the movie, has been given the green light to give a little more production into his version of the Justice League. Of course, the Justice League was taken over by Ryan Johnson, so we never got to see Snyder's full, uncut director's version of the movie. So it looks like it through... Re so it looks like through reshoots... Jared Leto's Joker will be in the movie with a really different style and iteration of the film. Now, Zach's now, Zack Snyder dropped a little tidbit of information while speaking with Grace Randolph on the Beyond the Trailer, and it was also mentioned that Joker's actual look will be different compared to how he was shown in Suicide Squad. However, Snyder is keeping a, a little hush on how the Joker is involved with his version of the Justice League, only saying that the character is part of a segment with the band together. 
So it seems like Jared Leto's Joker will be interacting with some of the already established Justice League characters rather than just showing up. I personally don't mind seeing Leto again. I mean, he did have a bit of a rocky start and was very different than anything we've seen. But I think Snyder um, has the chance to give him um, a little bit of a bigger story and a bigger arc. So if he has the plans for the Joker and he plans to give us some context on how the Joker will become the villain in, in the first Suicide Squad, then I'm all for it. And of course, we got a little bit of Marvel news this week. It looks like we will see Chris Pratt making his return as Star-Lord in Thor Love and Thunder. And actually, it kind of isn't that crazy to get this news because at the end of Endgame, he set off with the Guardians of the Galaxy to go search for Gamora. So it seems we will be getting more or less a direct continuation of that story, which is pretty exciting. The exciting superhero news came this past week, um, saying that the film will start shooting this January, um, if everything goes as planned, of course. I'm sure everyone is antsy to see the next chapter in the Marvel Universe, as we won't be seeing any in the year 2020 officially. That's something quite um, sad, being a Marvel fan myself. Uh, it looks like the next bit of Marvel material we'll be getting is WandaVision, which now is officially premiering on January 15th, uh, 2021. Of course, you'll be able to hear my thoughts on the show when it releases, and I'll definitely be making an, a review of it here on the show. I've also been watching The Mandalorian Season 2, which is just really, really great. It's some of the best Star Wars since the original trilogy, and let me tell you, if you have not been watching this show and you want to get into something new that's new and hot, um, be sure to give this a try. The show um, it has a great cast, and the great it had, there's an amazing amount of work that goes into this show's production, the score, the special effects, being both digital and practical. It's just amazing. It's, it's a perfect blend of new and old Star Wars, in my honest opinion. So I'm definitely going to leave you guys with that big suggestion there, because it really is a great show, and it's really starting to grab me. So if you haven't watched it, be sure to get on that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I've been your host, Benji, and that is all I have for you today. It's been a great show today, so be sure to tune in next week for more movie news. See you next week on Film Real News, right here on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Kayla Mako, and this is what's making news this hour. Ontario reported 1,248 new cases of COVID-19 and 29 deaths, which is the most deaths Ontario has recorded since June. Toronto recorded 364 new cases while the Peel region had 308 and the York region recorded 125 positive tests of COVID-19. 479 people in Ontario have been hospitalized with the coronavirus and 119 of those patients are now in intensive care. In other news, Nearly two dozen people were arrested in Washington on Sunday for protesting Donald Trump losing the 2020 presidential election. The Trump supporters were said to have been marching from Freedom Plaza to the Supreme Court building, but tensions raised between both the Trump supporters and counter-demonstrators, and eventually got violent to where shoving and punching took place, to the point where one person was knocked out unconscious. Cops finally reported to the scene, but not before someone could set off fireworks that were directed at one of the groups in the confrontation. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured, but multiple people were arrested and fined for disturbing the peace. 
In sports, the Masters Golf Tournament was this weekend, and former number one ranked golfer Dustin Johnson not only won, but ran away with the coveted green jacket on Sunday, as he shot a 68 and finished with a score of minus 20, which was five shots better than the next closest score. In other sports news, the UFC had another fight night where Rafael DeSandros won an exciting one against Paul Felder. Felder came into this fight with no training camp and five days notice and still made it competitive, but in the end was not able to secure the victory as Dos Anjos' grappling proved to be too much for Felder. Right radio weather, for today's forecast it's supposed to be cloudy all day with a high of 4 degrees Celsius and a low of 3. Tonight the temperature is supposed to dip down to 1 with an increase in wind chill and tomorrow we should expect a partly sunny sky with a temperature of 3 but it should feel like negative 4. It's currently cloudy at 4. For Riot Radio News, I'm Kayla Mako. Welcome to The Mock Show. I'm your host, Kayla Mako. On today's show, we have a DC Focus feature where I talk about COVID cases in the Durham region and how the Durham region could be going into a code red protocol. Later, we're going to talk about a new TV series that has people interested and scratching their heads at the same time. After that, we're going to talk about the new Call of Duty game that was just released this Friday. That's all coming up today on The Mock Show on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This week on DC Focus, the number of COVID-19 cases in the Durham region has increased to 317 positive cases in total, with 10 in the hospital and 2 in intensive care. Durham has now recorded 58 new cases of COVID-19 on two consecutive days, and it doesn't look like there's any signs of slowing down unless restrictions are set. Ajax currently leads the Durham region with 115 cases followed by Oshawa with 66 and then Pickering with 58, and then 54 in Whitby, and finally Clarington with 18 cases of COVID-19 to round up the rest of the total cases in the Durham region. Since the numbers refuse to go down, Durham is now headed into a code orange for COVID protocol as multiple regions in Ontario have recorded record-breaking numbers in the last few weeks for COVID-19. A code orange for the Durham region means that more local restaurants and stores will be closing down and the amount of people in gatherings decreases to 10 people when you're indoors and 25 when you're outdoors. It's likely that Durham will eventually go down to a code red in the coming weeks which will force social gatherings to tighten up even more and only essential stores will be open to the public. But if somehow the Durham region doesn't get worse, then they'll probably be able to go back to a code yellow, which would be nice just in time for the holidays, so hopefully everyone can social distance properly and responsibly. This has been DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Now let's switch gears to this new TV series that people are raving about, but also raises a lot of question marks. If you haven't guessed, I'm talking about the new show, We Are Who We Are. The show follows a group of kids that grow up on an American military base in Italy that are trying to find out who they are. In this coming-of-age type of show, the main characters, Fraser Wilson and Caitlin Poitras, are two 14-year-olds that are discovering more and more about each other through every episode, whether it's through identity, first love, or just the bond of friendship that they have for one another. 
To me, the show shows the beauty of finding a friendship in a new place, but also expresses what it's like to be a teenager experiencing love for the first time. The show also does a good job at being inclusive in all types of sexualities, but also leaves you questioning what the main characters are attracted to. We Are Who We Are record a 7 out of 10 review on IMDb and an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's no Breaking Bad, but it's still gotten some pretty good reviews, and it's being considered a bright spot in 2020 for TV. Now from one bright spot in 2020 to another, as we now talk about the release of the new Call of Duty Cold War game, which has gamers everywhere jumping for joy as we see the revival of the Zombies game mode and the continuation of Warzone. Zombies, as a lot of gamers will know, is a game mode where you and three other players play together and try and last as long as you can. But the difference between this zombies and the past zombies is that there's more of an objective in this version opposed to just surviving the zombies in the last versions. Now to some news about Warzone, which is a battle royale type of game mode where 150 players jump into a game and the last person standing is the winner. Since Warzone will be continuing on from the last Call of Duty game, some fans are concerned about whether or not the guns will carry over to this game. Another question that some fans have is that some guns are in both games, but have different stats and fans are wondering what version of those guns will be available in Warzone. In my opinion, I'm very excited for the new Call of Duty game, but I've elected to not get the game right when it comes out due to the sole reason that the Warzone game mode won't be available for the first month the game is released. So I'll probably wait to get the game for the slight possibility of a discount when Christmas comes around. The last thing that intrigues me about this game is the maps, because the last Call of Duty was underwhelming when it came to maps, so I'm hoping that this game steps it up. Well, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening to The Mock Show. We'll be back next week with another DC Focus feature and two new segments to talk about. All that next week on Riot Radio. You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Valentina Barros and this is what's making news this hour. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Canadians need to hold on for a few more months, as he says the country will begin to see the other side of the pandemic in the spring. Speaking in Ottawa last week, Trudeau said he hopes to see a potential COVID-19 vaccine roll out in early 2021. Meanwhile, early vaccine candidates from drug makers Pfizer and Moderna are showing the first signs of promising results in their trials. Meanwhile, as Canada awaits a vaccine, Trudeau reiterated the importance of taking precautions and abiding by the rules in his Tuesday interview. Heather Holland, Executive Director at Peterborough Youth Services, says the pandemic has had a profound effect on mental health. The Peterborough Youth Services, which focuses on youth and mental health, has noticed a disturbing trend. During the summer, the organization saw the number of calls doubling up into their line. Holland said people in the industry are calling the mental health impact a pandemic of its own, one that she expects will continue. U.S. President Donald Trump, with two months left in office last week, asked for options on attacking Iran's main nuclear site, but ultimately decided against taking the dramatic step, a U.S. official said on Monday. Trump made the request during an Oval Office meeting on Thursday with his top national security aides, including Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, new Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller, and General Mark Miley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. For the weather, it is going to be minus 3 degrees this evening with a low of minus 9, cloudy overnight, minus 7 degrees with a feeling of minus 13. It is currently minus 4 degrees. For Riot Radio News, I am Valentina Barros. What am I supposed to do with this time? 
Hi, how are you? I'm Valentina and welcome to the Hourly Talk. Today I'm going to talk about a new Netflix show that I strongly recommend, which is Julian the Phantoms. Also, how my love for reading has been reborn after a while of not touching a book, almost a year with no reading, especially because of me. But first, on this focus, I'll talk about recent news going around the Durham region. Most of them are about our residents and feel-good stories about them, because even though there is still a pandemic and problems around the world, there is always a silver lining to all of this. That's what's coming up next on the Hourly Talk, right here on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Ajax resident Lori Godard won a $1 million lottery ticket on Halloween. She went to the store to pick up Halloween candy and ended up buying the winning ticket when she was there. The 56-year-old entrepreneur said they went as a family to the store to validate the ticket, and when they saw big winner appear, they all started to cry. Godard says she hasn't thought about plans too much, but she would like to renovate her kitchen. The winning ticket was purchased at Shoppers Drug Mart on Wesley Road in Ajax. The Newcastle Santa Claus Parade is taking a new route all around the village to offer residents a safe way to celebrate the season during the COVID-19 pandemic. On Sunday, December 13, starting at 1 p.m., Santa and a whole convoy of his helpers will tour a large part of Newcastle, west to east and including the port of Newcastle and Bonhead neighborhoods in the south. Businesses and organizations that would like to register a vehicle in the parade can email newcastlecommunityevents at gmail.com before Sunday, November 22nd. Melissa Marie, a teacher from Pickering, created a children's book about Canada. An adventure in Canada is the story of a young boy who journeys across Canada to each province and territory, where he sees an animal indigenous to each region he visits. This book is meant to help children learn the provinces, territories, landscapes, and animals of Canada. Mary finds there is a lack of focus on Canadian content in popular literature, which is why she wrote this book and hopes to see it used in the classroom. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. What's up and welcome to the Hourly Talk. Today I'm going to talk about a new favorite show of mine called Julie and the Phantoms. If you haven't heard of it, stop whatever you're doing and go watch it right now. Because it is a masterpiece. It first aired on September 10 on Netflix. I watched it about three weeks ago and now I can't get it out of my mind. The soundtrack is amazing. It is safe on my Spotify and I listen to it every day. <laughs> because it is so great and I need a season two right away. So the show was created by Dan Cross and David Hutch, with one of the executive producers being Kenny Ortega. As many of you know, this is the same man that brought us Hocus Pocus, the High School Musical series, choreographed Dirty Dancing, The Descendants Trilogy, and many more projects that are dear and loved in our hearts. And as soon as I saw this man's name in the show, I said, this is going to be good. Okay, so Julian the Phantoms is a musical comedy drama television series based on the Brazilian series of the same name, Julie e os Fantasmas pardon my Portuguese, 
The show follows the life of Julie Molina, a teenage girl that lives in Los Feliz, California, a neighborhood in Los Angeles. Julie is a very talented girl. She sings and plays the piano, but after her mother's death, she is unable to play and sing after a year of her death because the the bond that they share was so special through music that Julie, like her mom was in a band when she was young and she taught Julie everything she knows. And because of the amount of sadness and all the memories around the house, Julie's dad decides to put the house for sale and moves to a new place with her and her brother. So he tells Julie to clear her mom's studio. When she goes to clear the studio, she finds um, CD with the title of Sunset Curve. She plays it and starts to listen when out of nowhere, three guys appear in the studio and they turn out to be ghosts. They are Reggie, Luke and Alex, also musicians that died on 1995. Two hours away of performing in the Orpheum, their most desired gig that would have made them stars. Weirdly enough, they knew Julie's mom, but I'm not gonna give out many spoilers, so I'll just leave it at that for now because you have to watch it by yourself. This show marks the first Kenny Ortega production from his multi-year collaboration with Netflix. I am really excited about this because I watched most of his work when I was a kid and it has a special place in my heart, as I mentioned before. So I am looking forward to that. I can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry, Mom. get back here you have the power to move people that's a gift no musician would ever turn down i think this is my thing she's legit with a new lead singer this man would be legendary but for now that would be any any work from kenny ortega in other topics i always love to read i tell you i could easily read a 300 page book in one sitting i think once my parents bought me a book for my birthday it was like 310 pages we bought it in the morning and by night it was done (laughs) and I wanted another one because I finished books so quickly but to be honest it was an easy book it was the fall in our stars so I I I don't count that as a book because that was really easy and that was when I was back in middle school and all through high school I think once one of my teachers I was reading in class and one of my teachers got upset and she said like I'm gonna take that book away from you when most of my classmates were being yelled at because of having their phones out I was getting yelled at because I was reading in the middle of class but because I entered my first year of college I haven't touched a book ever since and the longest I've ever read I think was a 1000 page book but as I mentioned as soon as I entered college I stopped reading I haven't touched a book ever since because of all the assignments meetings and my part-time job but my first part-time job I didn't have a lot of time lately but as you know COVID hit and we all went into lockdown well doesn't that doesn't mean I started to read again because I finished all my school assignments and I started like to wander around and see what I could do but luckily I got another job the entire summer which kept me busy as well but now that I'm back, because of all my classes are online, I have managed I have managed to find some time to read. And my habit has been reborn a little. Not as much as it used to be. I think with time it would be, once again, one of my biggest passions. And right now I am currently reading a classic, which is The Beautiful and Damned by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'll keep you updated on, on that. I'm almost done with that book. Not my cup of tea, I gotta say. I saw this book and I wanted to read it, but now that I'm reading it and I'm almost done with it, I'm kind of finishing just 
to finish but it's not my favorite book i'll keep you updated when i finish it but that will be it for today's show thank you so much for listening and i'll see you next week right here on the hourly talk on riot radio this is riot radio news I'm Diego Pizarro. Here's what's making news this hour. The government of Ontario is reporting another 1,487 cases of COVID-19 today, pushing the seven-day average to a new high as regions across the province move into the red control level of restrictions. The province also announced two more promising COVID-19 vaccines and stated that they are preparing for fair distribution of the vaccines once they become available. In other news, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is set to announce a new privacy bill that is aimed at protecting Canadians in the digital age. The bill would flesh out 10 principles, including more control over data and penalties for misuse of information. The bill comes after repeated calls from Canadians to modernize Canada's aging privacy laws. The Trudeau government announced this bill on parliamentary notice paper. This would introduce the Consumer Privacy Protection Act and the Personal Information and Data Protection Tribunal Act. It is not clear, however, if the new legislation would mesh with existing federal privacy laws. The Privacy Act covers government agencies and federally regulated industries like banks and airlines. The Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act is for private sector organizations. In sports, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi says the schedule for the 2021 season will be released very soon. While the league is doing its best to generate excitement for an upcoming season, they're facing an uphill battle after failing to deliver on a 2020 season. Riot Radio Weather. Cloudy. High of 1, remaining cloudy overnight with a low of minus 2. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 3. It's currently 2 degrees. For Riot Radio News, I'm Diego Pizarro. Hello, I'm Diego, host of The Diego Show. Coming up this week on the show, we're going to be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And on DC Focus, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, an upcoming event at Durham College, and I'm going to plug a local business that I hold near and dear. That's all coming up on The Diego Show right here on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus. DC Focus where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. On Durham Focus this week, I'll be talking about Durham Region's current standing in the COVID-19 pandemic, an exciting event coming up at Durham College, and I'll be shining a light on a local business here in Oshawa, because after all, local businesses need our help more than ever in this uncertain time. Concerning COVID-19, Durham Region has moved to orange COVID-19 restrictions as cases soar across the region. Premier Doug Ford announced these new restrictions at his daily update on Friday afternoon. This comes after Ontario saw a record-breaking week of COVID-19 infections. Durham will move to the Code Orange starting on Monday, November 16th. The restrictions will limit public gatherings to 50 people per facility. The operating hours of businesses will be lowered. There will also be more screening measures at these businesses. Personal care services that require people to remove masks are no longer allowed to operate and social gatherings are limited to 10 people inside and 25 people outside. The second wave is here, so make sure you do your part, social distance, and wear a mask. Coming up at Durham College is the Inuit Awareness Day virtual session being held on November 19th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. by the Indigenous Center. This event will feature two guest speakers. They will share information about Inuit culture, language, politics, and heritage. If you'd like to register, go to cocurricular.mycampus.ca and log in with your MyCampus login and password. 
After that, click on the events slash workshops section to locate the event and register. To finish off, I'd like to give some love to Bang Bang Burrito here in Oshawa. In my opinion, they make the best burritos, bar none. I'll never forget when I first came to Durham College. I'm originally from Milton, Ontario. I didn't know Oshawa at all, and my roommate and I were looking for a place to eat. And we decided to try this weird burrito place close by. And thank God we did, because when we ate those burritos, our jaws hit the floor. They were so fresh and flavorful. Bang Bang has a wide variety of choices, has a great atmosphere, and the most personable staff you'll ever meet. They're open every day from 11 a.m. and located on 1812 Simcoe Street, right next to Durham College. Give them a try. You won't regret it. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. Hello, welcome to The Diego Show, and this week I'm going to reveal my top five movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, better known as the MCU, has been dominating the box office since 2008 with the release of Iron Man. Known for mind-blowing special effects, action-packed adventures, and light-hearted comedy, the MCU has been captivating audiences and keeping comic book fans on the edge of their seat for over a decade. Its longevity is unprecedented, and it has no signs of slowing down. So let's get into it. Here are my top five MCU movies. To kick things off is Spider-Man Homecoming. After kicking butt with the Avengers, our beloved Peter Parker returns to Queens, New York to take on some more small-scale problems. And that is the true brilliance of this movie. By bringing Spider-Man back to a more low-stakes situation, he becomes Stan Lee's original vision for the character, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. This movie is a mix of a high school drama and an action movie. It has a lot of heart, and there are great performances all around, particularly from Michael Keaton, Tom Holland, John Favreau, Robert Downey Jr., and Zendaya. This movie also features a hilarious cameo from Donald Glover. Coming in at number four is the mind-bending Doctor Strange. This movie is worth it for the visuals alone. It features some of the craziest use of CGI I have ever seen. Doctor Strange is also different from the other MCU movies. Instead of using your typical superhero fare, this movie is a journey into a magical world full of sorcerers, relics, and dark dimensions. If you're looking for a great fight scene done in a unique way, this is the movie for you. If the MCU and Inception had a baby, Doctor Strange would be their offspring. Do not sleep on this movie. At number three, we have Black Panther. Putting aside this movie's place in our society, it's just a wonderful movie on its own merits. The world of Wakanda is so vivid and beautiful, and it is one that isn't explored as much by Marvel, making this movie stand out. Another impressive thing about Black Panther is its plot. It deals with themes such as equality, war, division, and power, and it offers a lot of wisdom on our current situation in society. Chadwick Boseman is the ultimate leading man. He projects strength and is very convincing. The battle scenes are eye-catching and heart-wrenching. And the movie goes a lot deeper than most MCU movies and does a unique take on the classic good guy, bad guy trope, Wakanda forever. In second place is Guardians of the Galaxy. This is Marvel's funniest movie. The characters are down to earth and relatable. They also have wonderful chemistry, which is impressive considering the movie is focused on five characters at the same time. In my opinion, this is Marvel's most aesthetically pleasing movie, from its memorable soundtrack to the many planets the Guardians visit throughout the galaxy. They all have unique and breathtaking landscapes. The many people the Guardians meet throughout their journey all have their own quirks, making it impossible for this movie to lose your attention. 
If you're looking for a fun night and want to feel like you're part of the gang, this is the movie for you. And finally, at number one, my favorite MCU movie, Captain America Winter Soldier. This is the kind of movie that only comes around once in a blue moon. It acts as both an entry point and a continuation of the MCU, and it handles this task perfectly. The acting in this movie is phenomenal. Stars Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson add so much emotion, making you care for the characters that much more. The action scenes are exciting and fast-paced, but also do a great job showing the horrors of war, in a time where most movies glorify it. Winter Soldier is probably the only MCU movie that can stand on its own outside of the MCU. Well, those are my picks for the top 5 MCU movies. Be sure to check these movies out, and if you disagree with my picks, that's cool, but don't get mad, because remember... You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week to The Diego Show, right here on Riot Radio. This is Riot Radio News. I'm Cleo Birch, and here's the Making News This Hour. The Ontario government is considering an extended school closure as the winter break approaches. Education Minister Stephen Lecce states that we have to do whatever it takes to protect the gains we made in the ministry within our education ecosystem. He's looking at solutions that may include some period out of class that allows us to protect the gains we made in this province going into the second year. And he'll be able to report more on that to give parents notice. As of Tuesday, there has been a total of 3,500 lab-confirmed positive cases of COVID-19 in Ontario schools and 614 in licensed child care facilities. There are 670 schools across the province that have a positive case of COVID-19. Ontario government said that it is currently not considering modifications to the school year calendar for 2020, but stopped short of ruling out any extended holiday closures. Hate crimes in the United States rose to the highest level in more than a decade as federal officials also recorded the highest number of hate-motivated killings since the FBI began collecting data in the early 1990s, according to the FBI report released on Monday. The report was alarming to advocacy organizations, including the Southern Poverty Law Center, which tracks hate groups. Some of the 2019 increases may be the result of better reporting by police departments, but more can be done, says advocacy groups. On to sports. The Chicago Bears quarterback Nick Foles was carted off the field after being slammed to the turf late in the fourth quarter of Monday night's 19-13 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. With 44 seconds left in the game, Foles dropped back to pass and attempts to avoid the Vikings' rush, but the Minnesota defensive end caught hold and drove Foles backwards into the ground. The Pittsburgh quarterback threw for a season high of 333 yards and four touchdowns despite being forced to stay away from the team facility all week due to COVID-19 protocols, and the Steelers stayed unbeaten with a 36-10 victory over the Bengals on Sunday. For Rye Radio weather today, a cold 1 degrees and cloudy going up to 3 degrees this afternoon. Tomorrow is going to be 3 degrees and partly cloudy. It's currently 1 degree. For Rye Radio News, I am Khalil Birch.
it's Khalil Birch and welcome back to another episode of the Birch Boy Show. Today we'll be doing another DC focused feature where we will go through the COVID-19 situation in the Durham region. We always hear about what's going on in Canada and Ontario, but what about your next door neighbor? What about Durham region? And for the next segment today, we'll be having a gaming segment as usual. And this time we have a surprise guest, Michelle Hu who is a sound designer from Ubisoft Toronto, right there. I am so excited that she has decided to come in and do an interview with me to to inform everybody on, on what it's like to be in the gaming industry and how things have changed for her due to COVID-19. And honestly, if you're generally, if you're generally interested in gaming or, or being in the gaming industry, be sure to stay tuned for this interview because she is very informative and, and has all the ins and outs and it's it's a fantastic interview. That's all coming up on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, DC Focus. where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. This is Durham Region News straight from the Durham Region News website, so be sure to refer to the Durham Region News website durhamregion.com slash news to get very specific details on the current COVID-19 situation in the Durham region. So Durham region reported 63 new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday, the highest daily count in a week. There are 375 active cases in Durham as of November 17th, including 364 people isolating at home and 11 in hospital, one of whom is an intensive care unit. Ajax continues to have the highest number of active cases with 120 as of Tuesday. That's followed by Whitby with 70, 79, Oshawa with 67, Pickering with 62, and Clarington with 21. Scugog, Uxbridge, and Brock have two active cases each. 13 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in Durham schools as of Tuesday, including an 8th case at Pickering High School in Ajax. Two school outbreaks remain active. The province reported 1,249 cases Tuesday with 26,468 tests completed the previous day. As of November 17th, Ontario has 529 people hospitalized with COVID-19, including 127 in an intensive care unit, 75 of whom are on a ventilator. So that has been it for Durham Region's COVID-19 watch. Be sure to refer to the DurhamRegion.com slash news to get the latest in COVID-19 news in the Durham Region. And that was your Durham Region update. That's DC Focus on Riot Radio. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. So welcome, welcome to the gaming segment, the Birch Boy gaming segment. I'm excited to to introduce Michelle Hu, who is a sound designer from Ubisoft Toronto. She's going to be giving us a little inside look on what it's like to be a sound designer and what it, what it means to be a sound designer and what it's like in the industry and at, the, at Ubisoft and how her job has changed with COVID-19. So Michelle, what does a video game sound designer do? So a video game sound designer can do a multitude of things from designing, integrating, and debugging different elements in a game. Sound designers can involve working with weapons, monsters, gadgets, to menu UI, cinematics, and you can even be integrating how music systems work in a game. 
It really depends on how large your audio team is and what kind of game you're designing for and how the team delegates and divides the work. At smaller studios, one sound designer can find themselves covering all sorts of things, whereas at Ubisoft, we tend to have sound designers that have their own mandates and areas of focus who are also able to help out others wherever help is needed. So myself specifically, I tend to work on designing sounds for different gameplay ingredients and gadgets in Watch Dogs Legion. That's the project I'm currently on. I've worked on the Spiderbot, which is a futuristic kind of cute robot spider that assists the player in the world. It jumps around, it's got many legs, it's got a turret gun, and specialized vocalizations that emote depending on uh, the situation it's in. And it's got cool takedown animations, so the spider like jumps on people's faces and electrocutes them and all kinds of fun stuff like that. But I've worked on all kinds of assets, uh, from laser alarms to traps, invisibility cloaks, to things like the sound of glass bottles rolling around on the floor, so physics of objects in the world and how they sound. There's a whole process after sound designing, which is integrating your work into the game, and then testing your work and debugging if issues come up. Uh, The cool thing about working in video games is how collaborative it is. So you end up working with different departments from artists to programmers, cinematics teams, technical artists, and the list goes on. I find every day is different, and it just depends on which part of the project timeline you're in. Cool, cool. So what would you say the, the work environment is like at Ubisoft Toronto, and how has it changed due to COVID-19? I would say the work environment at Ubisoft is quite casual overall. It's an open office space where different departments are situated in the same area. So I'm close to the audio programmers and then we're also close to other programmers. We're close to the narrative team as well. Basically, collaboration is a big part of the studio's identity. It's quite lively because of this, and people are constantly discussing ideas and asking questions. I guess this leads to your next question uh, about COVID-19 and how that's changed working at Ubisoft. Uh, So this whole year has been completely different. We've been working from home since March. We've been trying to keep up with daily calls and keeping in contact with the team, but it's felt quite different. It's settled down now, but the first month or so of transitioning into work from home was a bit tricky as people tried to figure out their network connections and all that, plus not uh, being distracted by the news because that was really tough. A lot of things were happening this year, actually this whole year, but I think things have settled down now and there's a flow to working from home. And I don't know what's in the future for the industry in terms of working from home. We'll have to see since our network is quite strong now. And it's been a benefit to work from home for many members of the team, especially those that have really long commute times. So what advice would you give someone who's trying to get into the gaming industry? I would say just start experimenting with sound and technology. So a great thing to do is redesign the sound for an existing video game trailer or any other animated short uh, you can find online. So you can use it as a part of your reel when it comes time for a job interview. You can also join in different online communities and participate in what's called a game jam. So small teams create a video game from scratch. I think over 
a weekend or a few days. So that's a, that's a great thing to do because you'll meet different people already in the industry or not in the industry. There's a lot of uh, video game creator communities you can find on Discord that you can join. And a lot of them have sound channels so you can meet like-minded audio people or different artists that are making games and they're looking for sound designers to work on an indie game. Uh, there's a cool audio group out there that also does monthly crowdsourced sound effect libraries. And what they're doing is they're having monthly or weekly recording challenges where they'll have a theme and then everyone goes out to record sounds that have to do with that theme. And then they pool together all their work at the end of the month. So everyone who's worked on it uh, has access to the library. And I think it's grown quite large at this point. It, think the they get up to 80 gigs of material each time so that's that's a big library um, to have each time which is really cool on that note just try to record sounds and play around with it you know download some plugins there's a lot of free ones uh, out there and just mess around with sounds and do some foley that's a great way to understand how objects and materials behave and how they work in the world i think that's a great thing to try out and most of all play games <laughs> playing games will help give you an idea of how sound is such an important part of the narrative in video games awesome awesome so are you a gamer like do you do you have a, a favorite game that you play or a, a few favorite games uh yes i am definitely a gamer myself and it is really hard to name a favorite game uh i'm lucky i grew up in uh, a big gaming family so different members of my family own different consoles so i got to try out, you know, whether it's Nintendo, PlayStation, or Xbox, PC gaming. I was kind of all over the place. And so it's hard to name an overall favorite, uh, but I'm enjoying the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game on the PS5, which arrived yesterday. It looks and sounds fantastic. I love Spider-Man, so uh, it's been great. Uh, this year I've played The Last of Us 2, Animal Crossing, and a good amount of Among Us. <laughs> with friends uh lots of memes out there about it this year and even phasmophobia which is another cool indie game where you're a ghost hunter and you go to haunted house with friends and you try to figure out which ghost is haunting the house uh so stuff like that i mean i could talk for hours about games but uh yeah love games um, but yeah, thank you so much for sending by your questions. Well, yeah, that was Michelle Hu from Ubisoft Toronto. She is a sound designer, and yeah, that was I loved that interview. I, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. I got great answers. Yeah, she's awesome. So yeah, big shout out to Michelle Hu. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was the Birchboy Gaming feature or segment. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for tuning into the Birch Boy Show here on Riot Radio. Be sure to check in next week for more news and another Birch Boy Gaming segment. Have a good one. Welcome to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. This week on the Zach Show, we will bring you news, sports, weather, and a DC Dervagian focus. This is Riot Radio News. This is a Riot Radio News update, 
And I'm Zach Kingston. Moderna says its coronavirus vaccine appears to be 94.5% effective. Most Canadians could be vaccinated by the end of 2021, says Federal Public Health Officer. Here are some areas the federal government has helped out during the COVID-19 pandemic so far. Support for individuals. Support for businesses. Support for sectors. Support for organizations helping Canadians. And support for provinces and territories. In the Monday night football game, the Minnesota Vikings defeated the Chicago Bears 19-13. In your weather for Durham region on Wednesday, your weather will be sunny and cloudy with a zero, a big zero as the temperature of the day. And it will feel like negative three during the day. There's a possible 30% chance of showers with the winds out of the southwest at 12 kilometers per hour. Wind gusts could reach as high as 18 kilometers an hour. Health officials are now saying it's impossible for all of Ontario to be in the green zone by Christmas. I'm Zach Kingston. Coming up next here on The Zach Show, we'll be discussing Nunavut and their coronavirus cases. You're listening to the Broadcasting for Radio and Contemporary Media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk, right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. I'm your host, Zach Kingston. Welcome back. I'm your host, Zach Kingston. Nunavut announced 34 new cases of COVID-19 on Tuesday, more than doubling the territory's total case count overnight. The territory now has 60 confirmed cases, all announced in the last 11 days. Of the new COVID-19 cases that were announced on Tuesday, 26 are in Arviat, bringing the total in that community to 46. And eight of the new cases that were announced in Whale Cove, are the first to be identified in that community. Arviat is home to more than 2,500 people. It is a predominantly Inuit hamlet located on the western shore of the Hudson Bay. It's nearly 150 kilometers south of Whale Cove, which also sits along Hudson's Bay and has a population of about 435 people, according to the latest census data from 2016. Both are fly-in communities with no roads connecting the two. However, members do sometimes travel between the hamlets by a snowmobile. A government news release on Tuesday stated that one of the affected individuals in Whale Cove is linked to the outbreak in Arviat and that the coronavirus was then transmitted by that person to seven others in Whale Cove. The release also said that all individuals are isolated and doing well. However, that if anyone becomes severely ill or requires a ventilator, they will need to be moved to a hospital in the south for treatment. And this is according to the Nunavut Premier. Coming up next here on The Zach Show is DC Focus. You're listening to the broadcasting for radio and contemporary media students at Durham College. Now back to more news, campus information, and informative talk right here on Riot Radio. 
You're listening to the Zach Show on Riot Radio. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. Lori Goddard, an Ajax resident, won $1 million on Halloween. While at the store on Halloween to pick up some Halloween candy before trick-treating got underway, Lori Goddard bought the winning $1 million guaranteed $6.49 ticket. The 56-year-old is an entrepreneur, and she said that the family all together went to the store to validate that they were the big winners. So she stated that she hasn't thought too much about what she plans to do with the money, but that she would like to renovate her kitchen and that she'll save the rest for a more comfortable retirement. The winning ticket was purchased at Shoppers Drug Mart on Westony Road in Ajax. Durham Region reported its highest number of COVID-19 cases ever on Tuesday, and this was 63 new COVID cases on Tuesday, the highest daily count in one single week. There are 375 active cases currently in the region of Durham as of November 17th. So currently there are 364 people isolating at home, 11 people in hospital, and one in intensive care. Ajax continues to have the highest number of active cases in the Durham region with 120. This is followed by Whitby with 79, Oshawa with 67, Pickering with 62, Clarington with 21, Scugog, Uxbridge, and Brock each have currently two active cases. 13 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in Durham schools as of Tuesday, including eight cases at the Pickering High School in Ajax, and two school outbreaks remain active. On Tuesday, the province reported 1,249 new cases of COVID-19, with 26,468 tests completed. The Durham region is welcoming the federal broadband investment. Rural and underserved communities in the Durham region could benefit from Canada's universal broadband fund. Life in the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic means Durham residents need fast, stable internet for everything from visiting with loved ones to family members in long-term care homes and connecting their children to their teachers. Across the region, there is an inequality of access to high-speed internet that has always existed but has never been more obvious than during the pandemic, which has people working and learning from home. And this is according to a release by Chair of the Durham Region, John Henry. So the region of Durham is hoping communities with the greatest need for broadband internet connectivity, such as rural areas, could get broadband boost from the federal government. The Government of Canada announced applications opening for the $175 billion Universal Broadband Fund on Monday, November 9th. This fund will help connect 98% of Canadians across the country to high-speed internet by 2026, with the goal of connecting all Canadians by 2030, according to the federal statement. 
That was your weekly Zach show on Raya Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have yourself a very great week. This is Riot Radio News. Hi, I'm Crystal Pinnock. This is what's making news this hour. Most Canadians could be vaccinated against COVID-19 by the end of the year. Canada's Deputy Chief Public Health Officer said today. In recent days, pharmaceutical companies Pfizer and Modena have announced successful trials of their coronavirus vaccines. Dr. Howard Neju said that he is optimistic that they can be approved by Health Canada and rolled out soon. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau warns that until vaccines arrive, Canadians will need to continue following public health guidelines. In sports, the Florida Panthers on Tuesday hired Brett Peterson as an assistant general manager, making him the first black executive to hold that position in the NHL. Peterson's hiring comes days after the nearby Miami Marlins hired Kim Noon as the first female GM in Major League Baseball. The NFL's Miami Dolphins have a black GM, Chris Greyer, and coach Brian Flores. On to the weather. A low tonight of negative 4 degrees, sunny tomorrow with a high of 7 degrees and a low of 3 degrees. It's currently 2 degrees here in Windsor. Welcome to Just Wanna See You Smile. I'm your host, Crystal Pinnock. Thank you for joining me today. On today's show, we will have the latest in Durham Region News with DC Focus and the church community in Windsor is shaken up with the loss of a young life. That's all come up today on Just Wanna See You Smile. News, events, people, and places. This is DC Focus, where Durham College shares news about the Durham region. 13 new cases of COVID-19 have been reported in Durham schools as of Tuesday. They include one additional case at St. Mary Catholic Secondary School in Pickering for a total of two, one case at St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic School in Whitby, one case at Donald L. Wilson Secondary School in Whitby, one additional case at East Dale CVI in Oshawa for a total of three. One additional case at Fallenbrook Public School in Whitby for a total of two. One additional case at Pickering High School in Ajax for a total of eight. One additional case at Pine Secondary School in Pickering for a total of two. One additional case at Roland Michigan Public School in Ajax for a total of two. Two additional cases at St. Clair Secondary School in Whitby for a total of three. Two cases at Viola Desmond Public School in Ajax, and one case at Williamsburg Public School in Whitby. On November 14th, more than 1,300 prospective students and their families logged onto their computers, laptops, phones, and tablets to digitally experience Durham College during its fall virtual open house. During live information sessions about the college's more than 140 career-focused programs, attendees had the opportunity to ask faculty and students questions in real time.
These were also virtual sessions focused on student support, financial aid, admissions, and more. Guests were also able to watch videos and take virtual tours of campus spaces, including learning environments, residences, and wellness facilities, as well as having a chance to enter to win a $1,000 tuition credit. In total, more than 6,200 webpage views on the event website were recorded on Saturday from 34 countries around the globe, including India, Brazil, and Nigeria. That's DC Focus right here on Riot Radio. Welcome back to Just Want to See You Smile. I'm your host, Crystal Pinnock. A seven-year-old boy killed in a hit-and-run Sunday evening will be honored in a community vigil on Friday. The boy was struck and killed by a vehicle around 8.45 p.m. this weekend in the area of Jefferson Boulevard at Hague Avenue. He sustained life-threatening injuries, according to Windsor Police, and later died in hospital. Police say they are still searching for the suspect. Windsor's Gethsemane Lutheran Church Pastor Jordan Simon told CBC News Tuesday that early Monday morning the family called him looking for support, as they are both from the Sudanese community. Pastor Golovinko sent this email to members of the Windsor Seventh-day Adventist Church in which I received on Monday afternoon. Friends, it is with sadness and grief that I am informing you that last night the seven-year-old son of James and Rebecca Reek, Cathorico, was killed in a hit-and-run accident. It is a senseless tragedy to which there are no meaningful answers. Please pray for the family through this time of tragedy and loss. Please show support in any way you may. But please do not ask unnecessary questions as the family is grieving their loss. You will receive more information as preparation will be made for memorial service. Pastor Alex Golovinko. With the Gethsemane Lutheran Church and the Windsor Seventh-day Adventist Church grieving the loss of a child, it really hits home as I am a member of the Windsor Seventh-day Adventist Church. I haven't been to church myself since March of 2020, and although the church doors have reopened to a small number of members a week, I have not gone, and now I can never see this little boy again. My condolences to the family, and I hope for closure at this time, as the driver of the vehicle has not turned themselves in. I pray that we come together for the family and assist them in any way we can. It's been a long day without you, my friend And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again We've come a long way from where we began Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again When I see you again 
All the planes we flew, good things we been through Then I'll be standing right here talking to you about another path I know we love to hit the road and laugh But something told me that it wouldn't last Had to switch up, look at things different, see the bigger picture Those were the days, hard work forever pays Now I see you in a better place Talk about family when family's all that we got. Everything I would do, you were standing there by my side. And now you gon' be with me for the last ride. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Thanks for listening. See you next week on Just Wanna See You Smile on Riot Radio. You're listening to DC Broadcasting, podcast produced by the radio broadcasting students at Durham College.